You're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, your source for all the Baltimore news and information. Now ice up, hon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. We've got your hosts, Kyle. Hey, guys, how's it going? And you got me, Matthew. We got a hell of a show today. Uh, it's our first one on Ravel, uh, but it's going to be a doozy. We got some some good audio for you guys today. Uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and take it away now, Kyle. Awesome. All right. First off, we're going to be here talking about Rally Bus. Rally Bus is offering luxury buses to and from the Baltimore Ravens games. If you use the promo code RavensRally10, you get $10 off of your booking. That is R A V E N S. R-A-L-L-Y-1-0 for $10 off your booking. Ride happy, ride smart, rally bus. Now, all right, let's belly flop on in, Kyle. Sounds great to me. All right, first we're going to go straight to ESPN ranking Joe Flacco. Right here we have, as I open up this link, I'm coming unprepared, to Flacco was ranked number 10th overall in the quarterback rankings for ESPN this year. They did put him behind three second-tier quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson, and Tony Romo. He's ahead of the likes of Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, and Matthew Stafford, though. I just want to know your opinion on this subject, Matthew. Steve, what do you think? Is this good? Is this bad ranking? How do you feel? I don't know. I mean, I I personally think that he is ranked uh, in the right spot in terms of uh, the number. Uh, 10 is about where I would put him, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower. It, it depends on the season. Uh, but overall, I think he's a tier one quarterback. And, and part of that is because uh, of the definition that was used. Okay. Uh, in order to go ahead and say a tier one quarterback, uh, it was something along the lines of, uh, you know, the quarterback needs to be able to hold his own. Uh, Actually, I've got it right here. Tier 1 quarterbacks can carry their teams week after week and contend for a championship without as much help. Uh, And if you look at Flacco's career, he has not had uh, a ton of help. Makes sense. So, you know, he's his his best wide receiver so far has been Steve Smith, a 36-year-old Steve Smith at that. (laughs) Uh, You know, and and as much as Steve Smith will will get on you about the numbers, uh, his age, his, his, his height, um, he is still 36 years old, and that's Flacco's best wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the definition of not much help. Now, a lot of people will point to the run game. A lot of people will point to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. But the offensive line was middling to, to good uh, the first few seasons that Flacco was in. Uh, and Flacco led the team to you know AFC championship games to, to deep into the playoffs. Uh, and then obviously he's not only contended for a championship, he is a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, so when push comes to shove, I mean, their their own definition, Mike Sando's own definition of a Tier 1 quarterback fits Flacco as well as it possibly could. I do like that. I, I like that. But I, I, would, I would be one of those to argue that he is a Tier 2 quarterback. He can't quite give you the most consistent success week in and week out. That's been his only issue like you and I have talked about throughout the last month it's about stacking it's about stacking days stacking weeks stacking games stacking seasons and I don't believe Joe Flacco is tier one yet 
He does. He always has had a good defense. Has it been a phenomenal defense? No. Everybody thinks we are great because of our historical defense, but I don't. I don't agree. I, we have good defense. We always have. But he has been helped with a good defense and a great running game when we did have Ray Rice. And now that our offensive line is even more uh, talented than before, we also seem to have a good running game. Even with Justin Forsett, who's been a journeyman, now racking up five and a half yards per carry over his last season. I believe he's a tier two. I'm okay with the ranking of being the 10th. That's, that's about where I would have him. Uh, I'm all right with it. I am. I don't know. I mean, let's quickly review the Tier 1 and Tier 2 quarterbacks. All right. Tier 1 is Aaron Rodgers. That's a no-brainer. Obviously. Tom Brady, again, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Andrew Luck, and we'll we'll get into Luck in just a minute. Absolutely. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees. I'm okay with all of those but number three. See, I, I, I'm and, and like I said, we'll get into Andrew Luck in just a minute. Yep. My point is more Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. Really? Both of those guys are... So, to put it bluntly, has-beens. Uh, wow. Peyton Manning is – both of them will put up great regular season stats. Um, and, and they have throughout pretty much their entire career. <laughs> but here's the issue. Both of them are getting to that age to where they can't handle 16 games. And we saw it last year with Drew Brees. Uh, he was just mediocre pretty much all season long. I mean, every time you turned on ESPN, it was it was a matter of somebody talking about, is Drew Brees done? Uh, and then Peyton Manning, down the stretch, became noodle arm. Uh, and, and, you know, that could be an issue of maybe he was a little dinged up, but it's the same Peyton Manning we've seen uh, every year in the playoffs. So I, I don't know. I, five and six, I, I think they're in there strictly because of name only. And then when you dive into tier two, it's Philip Rivers, it's your Russell Wilson, it's Tony Romo, it's Flacco, R- Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, Matthew Stafford, and Cam Newton. Now, out of that list, the tier two, there's, what, seven guys there? Yep. You're looking at two of them, three, yeah, three of them, excuse me, mm-hmm. have been in a Super Bowl. Not not won a Super Bowl, but just been in a Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, now, granted, Russell Wilson's won one, Flacco's won one, and Eli Manning has won two. Yeah. Uh, you know, where where are those guys? Why do they deserve to be in Tier 2? I, I, Andrew Luck's never run, won a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning hasn't won one in years. Drew Brees hasn't even come close to a, a, a contesting for one in a few years. I don't know why either one of them deserve to be above uh, guys who that who have put up, you know, good, good stats and uh, a Super Bowl ring in the past few seasons. All right, I'm, I'm going to go against you on that. I think... I think Peyton Manning consistently puts up great regular season stats like we all know. He's been a regular season MVP almost every season. It takes a miracle for him to not, actually, as we saw with Adrian Peterson or Aaron Rodgers absolutely dominating the competition anymore with his his talent and skill on the football field. But Drew Brees, I think, still deserves to be at the bottom of Tier 1. He's still a competitive player. He still does well. His team was a, a dumpster fire last season, as we saw. They thought they were going to be very hot shit with their with their no-fly zone defense, and then they became one of the worst defenses to be passed on. But Peyton Manning, like I'm going to get back to right now, is he's he had a quadricep injury, and he was doing terribly, and his team practically quit on him. The only person I saw that 
didn't quit in that football game against the Colts in the playoffs was C.J. Anderson. He was the one still running, still fighting on fourth and one, and while Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders sat there and watched from the video recorder up on, on the other side of the football field of him battling it out. And they, they, he could have scored a touchdown if not for that weak, weak effort by both of those wide receivers. I feel Peyton Manning still deserves to be a Tier 1. He can still handle it. I believe Drew Brees is still Tier 1, but the bottom of Tier 1. I agree with how they did re- these rankings. I really do. I like it. I, see, I'm going to disagree with you on, on your reasoning here. Okay. Drew Brees didn't have the greatest defense last year. Obviously, they, they got passed all over. Mm-hmm. That also reminds me significantly of Joe Flacco, who had one of the worst defensive efforts uh in the history of the Ravens. Right, right. Uh, we're not talking about, and, and we discussed it just a few minutes ago, that everyone seems to think that the Ravens have a great defense, and, and they do at times, and they, they probably will this year. But last year was not one of those years. Right. Uh, 2012 was a pretty good year, but wasn't the greatest uh, in terms of defensive help either. Mm-hmm. Flacco's put up wins in the postseason despite any offensive firepower, despite any defensive... I mean, he, he nearly beat the Patriots. He was ahead at two separate times. And if it weren't for the defense giving up huge plays and touchdowns, the Ravens go into the Super Bowl. Because uh, the Colts are, certainly were not going to go ahead and stop them. Right. Um, so, you know, Drew Brees' argument that he didn't have a good defense is null and void when it comes to especially Flacco uh, and, and what he's been able to do. It all goes to the quarterback and what he's been able to do, and that points me to Peyton Manning. You know, again, yeah, he puts up great regular season stats, and and uh, you know, you, you touched on it in the idea that Peyton Manning regularly gets the MVP award, but how much of that is simply because of his name? I mean, we we talked about how Aaron yeah. Rodgers de- yeah. decimated the competition, and it was still close. It shouldn't be. Peyton Manning is there. It, He's the older version of Andrew Luck, a guy who accomplished eh, and suddenly gets a a, a boatload of fame for being a good regular season quarterback, but not being able to do a lot in the postseason, not being able to go ahead and, and get it the distance. Okay. And it's a shame. It's a shame that somebody like Flacco, who has been able to get it distance and who has been able to do great things in the playoffs is underneath a guy who is known as a choke artist in the playoffs. It's just beyond me how Drew Brees and Peyton Manning are ranked in the Tier 1. Same thing with Andrew Luck. While Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks, recent Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks, are underneath them, it's just beyond me. All right. That's fair enough. That's that's fair enough. I think that about wraps it up for our back-and-forth rebuttal. But I'm going to get into something. I'm going to get into, we're going to step into uh, Kyle Barber's Barbershop for a moment. And I'm going to rant and be uh, very upset on the ranking, like you and I, I assume, are very upset with. Andrew Luck being ranked the number three quarterback, voted by 35 NFL coaches and evaluators. That's what this is ranked on. It's actually a very professional ranking system. I agree with almost everything here. But Andrew Luck being ranked above Ben Roethlisberger is driving me mad. I cannot believe this happened. Ben Roethlisberger threw two back-to-back games of six touchdowns. He was on fire. Albeit that was against the Ravens, 
practice squad defenses with Danny Gore playing uh, cornerback. But nonetheless, six touchdowns back-to-back. He was lethal. He is lethal. He got a contract extension because he is lethal and still a very good professional quarterback. And to have Andrew Luck and his middling success is is beyond me. I don't know how you can do that. I don't see where you can put Andrew Luck and his his good young season already. Don't get me wrong. He's a great quarterback for especially how young he is. He's one of the greatest talents to ever come out, and he it, it's clearly obvious. It's clearly obvious. But to have him above Ben Roethlisberger or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or even Philip Rivers, I don't even agree. I, I think Philip Rivers is better than Andrew Luck currently. I I, I have a I have a little enjoyment for Philip Rivers. I like him a little too much, so I might be biased, but that's that's beyond me and I I'm I'm furious. I'm upset. This is wrong. I don't get where you can see that. Especially uh, I just it's wrong. It's flat out wrong. I disagree with it. I disagree with 35 NFL coaches and evaluators. Andrew Luck does not deserve to be as a tier 1 quarterback. He doesn't. I, I can completely agree with you on that one, Kyle. And, uh, you know, Ravens fan 1995 here in the comments are talking about how uh, middling success, he's the future of the league. That's exactly the point. He's the future of the league. And, and he'll probably win a Super Bowl in his time. And I have no issues with saying that he's going to be great and that he's even good now. But he hasn't won a Super Bowl. He hasn't come anywhere close to winning a Super Bowl. And even though he was in the AFC Championship game, uh, let's be honest, the Ravens kind of would have, uh, not kind of, they would have mopped the floor with the Colts. It wouldn't have been close. Even with a terrible defense, that game would have been awful. And that's not saying anything bad against Andrew Luck. It's simply saying that he's, he's this generation's Peyton Manning, a guy who will throw up 4,500 yards, a bunch of touchdowns, but kind of folds when the pressure gets to him, doesn't have that capability of, of stepping up the next level, and what you see is what you get. That's the way it has been with Peyton Manning. What you see is what you get. So he might be the future of the league, but it's not now, and this ranking is on now. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to skip ahead after all this, and we're going to go real quick. This is going to be a quick one, I assume. Is Reggie Wayne and the Ravens. There was discussions of Reggie Wayne talking with a few teams. The Packers, which blows my mind. I have no idea why he would be talking to the Packers. He'd be like the fourth wide receiver on there, and he can't even play special teams anymore. He's too old. Wouldn't make sense. He was also talking, he's also talking to the Texans, Patriots, and the Baltimore Ravens. Do we need his hands, his, his veteran leadership, his skill set? Do we need a locker room presence? Do we need any of that, Matt? You know, Kyle, we, we discussed this just a tad before this, um, and I'm actually going to change my mind on this. Really? I think that the Ravens probably don't need him. Okay. Um, they're set at wide receiver. They've got more depth than they know what to do with. Uh, and, and as we have to go ahead and start trimming down the, the roster, uh, that's going to be a headache for, for us writers for Baltimore Beatdown, trying to figure out which one of the – Three or four wide receivers probably aren't going to make the cut. But at the same time, the Ravens certainly do love adding that veteran person in there. Uh, And they have it with Steve Smith. But, you know, maybe Reggie Wayne might be able to add a little something that Steve Smith can't. And to be honest with you, if he doesn't make it to the 53-man roster, it's no harm, no foul. And if the Patriots and Packers are interested, 
Uh, you know, I can see why the Ravens might be interested. I, okay, first off, the uh, Green Bay Packers are already out of discussions with him. It is now down to the Texans and Patriots from what I've read so far. Um, it just it doesn't make sense. And I actually disagree with you that you say no harm, no foul, because I think that gives all the young receivers that were trying to groom and become great NFL players, it, it shatters their confidence when you say, hey, that super old guy, that, you know, hasn't even been able to find a home in, in weakened wide receiving cores. Yeah, we're going to put him on our team. You know, that I think that crushes our, our, our Ravens' confidence, man. And we don't need him. We absolutely don't need his hands. We don't need his, his talent, his veteran leadership. We all have that in Steve Smith. And Steve Smith is fiery. He's a super competitor. Whereas Reggie Wayne is a talent, and I think he... He was always a very good player, but he doesn't have the edge of the play like a raven. He doesn't, he doesn't have that kind of a talent. He doesn't have that ferocity. Steve Smith embodies that, and I think we don't need another veteran wide receiver like this. That, that's a fair point, and I could see both sides of the argument there, um, and, and I doubt, seriously doubt that the Ravens uh, will sign Reggie Wayne at any point in time. Uh, like, two percent type of chance of that happening so uh you know yeah that's not gonna the two percent would be steve smith kamar aiken brashad perryman all going down with season ending injuries that's what that would be yeah that's fair that's it all right but we're done with that that was simple easy we're gonna skip now to dennis pitta and jimmy smith we did talk with man named dr bob and uh, we did interview him talking about their injuries. Dennis Pitta, we know, has gone through his second hip injury. We're uncertain of his play anymore. And Jimmy Smith and his Liz Frank fracture in his foot. We interviewed him. He's a phenomenal guy. Wonderful for him to take the time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. And uh, we're going to be playing the interview for you now. We got Dr. Bob here on the phone with us today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the injuries that we've got going on. Uh, Jimmy Smith is obviously one of the bigger ones. Uh, we saw what happened last season when, when Smith was out. Uh, it kind of decimated that secondary. Um, you know, what, what is that surgery that he had? I, I can't even pronounce it, much less know what it's all about. So, so we've seen a common trend of these injuries in maybe the last 10, 15 years. Uh, they originally thought it was just a sprain to his left foot, um, and a lot of times with the Liz Frank injuries, which is what he had, that's originally what they diagnosed it as. But a Liz Frank injury is, if you think about, you have the long toe bones in your foot. They mm-hmm. come down, they extend down, and they articulate with smaller bones in kind of the middle of your foot. And those are called your tarsal bones. So that articulation there between those two, that's kind of the Liz Frank joint complex. When there's a disruption to that, that's when you can have a Liz Frank injury. Okay, okay. So it's it's an injury to that like center mass of the foot, essentially. Everything that kind of works in unison there. Um, so so anything in that that general area is the Liz Frank, or or is it a specific tendon or or, or um, a ligament? It, it can be a, it can be a multiple things with Liz Frank, depending on the severity of okay. the injury. It can either be a sprain in the foot which becomes so like Le'Veon Bell is one of those things where he could just, you know, a few weeks he waited out and it healed itself. Or you can end up having dislocations 
and Ooh. even possibly fractures, depending on how serious they are. Wow. Um, given the fact that Jimmy Smith had surgery, it makes you, I mean, it, it definitely makes it that there was some instability within that foot that required surgery. Okay, okay. Well, obviously he, he missed the entire season uh, from, from when he was out, and there's some talk that, uh, you know, hopefully he, he enters this season uh, at 100%. I mean, what's the likelihood of that given uh, the severity of his injury and, and when you kind of need to have surgery on it? What is the severity of that type of injury? We've seen kind of a wide spectrum with with these types of players. We can obviously name some of the big names and say, you know, they never quite got back. Like Maurice Jones-Drew, Darren McFadden. Though McFadden's had plenty of other problems. Um, yeah. But we there has been some research done recently that shows that you know within nine to fifteen months. The vast majority of players end up coming back. I mean, it's, I think it's close to about 85%. And it okay. also found that in that time frame, nearly all of them returned back to competition without a uh, significant decrease in performance. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty good thing to try and uh, put our eggs in that basket. But we'll have to see how it shakes out for them. Okay, okay. So th- there is a good chance that uh, you know Jimmy Smith – returns at the start of the season, maybe a little bit hobbled uh, to start since he didn't uh, he got injured partway through the season, but uh, he, he should be able to, um, by about ha- midway into the season, halfway into the season, he should be you know at 100% and, and ready to keep rocking and rolling. That's, that's always good to hear uh, for that defense. Yeah, I mean, I, the biggest concern with him moving forward, I mean, when you have this type of surgery, they'll go in there, Whatever joint is unstable, displaced, fractured, they'll stabilize that with a series of screws, wires, and things like that. So for that period of time, those things will stay in place as those bones heal. When those things are healed, they will go in and remove those structures. And then the problem becomes getting some of that midfoot flexibility back. Um, I think that's what some players struggle to get that back. And that would be the only concern moving forward, especially for a cornerback who has to have quick reaction time and being able to stop on a dime and cut and react to what the receiver's doing. That's that's really the biggest concern. Okay, makes sense. All right, then moving on, we're going to hop upon the uh, the Dennis Pitta story with his hip injuries over the past couple seasons. Can you go into detail on, on what exactly is occurring so it's it's hard. They haven't given a whole lot of information to us about what's happened with this most current injury. But what we heard from his first one was we were told there was a fracture and a dislocation to the hip. Um, we were told after that that there was really no significant damage to any of his ligaments, cartilage, anything like that. So okay. things were looking good. Things were looking promising. With this most recent injury, <laughs> you know, it was a lot different than the first one. The first one we Excellent. heard, you know, he went up for a contested ball, he collided, he landed awkwardly, and that kind of thing can happen with that situation. Right. With, his, with the one that just happened this past season, you know, he wasn't touched. And that's, yeah. uh, that's a big-time red flag right there. Um, you don't really hear of hip dislocations very often. There's a reason for that. Um, the hip's a very stable joint to begin with. Um, has a series of big, strong ligaments, big, strong muscles that help support it. It's not like the shoulder 
which is a little bit more of a mobile joint rather than a, a stable joint. Right. Um, so for this to happen a second time in the nature it happens, you really have to question those original reports about whether the ligaments were compromised in some way. Um, and, and that's probably the most concerning thing right now. All right, and I did see, uh, I actually am looking at your article right now about, about Dennis Pitta, and you're sp speaking about how um, they have drafted uh, Crockett Gilmore, they've drafted uh, Max Williams, and they also have drafted Nick Boyle. In the past two years, this is three tight ends. Do you think that's a, a serious point towards them more than planning on moving on from Dennis Pitta? I, I think you've got to at this point. I mean, to see a hit this location once is very rare. To happen twice, that, that's completely unheard of. So if you hear everything that's come out of Ravens camp, no one sounds nearly as optimistic as they did when this first happened. Absolutely not. Yes, co completely correct. And and um, it's almost been kind of hush-hush, and, you know, it's kind of a, yeah, we'll just kind of wait and see what's going to happen. Personally, I, I don't see how it happened the second time, how he's ever going to be back. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I remember the play. He just caught the ball, and he turned around to walk, and his, his leg didn't want to follow suit, and he just collapsed. I remember watching that. So it definitely looked bad, and w w from what you're saying, it just sounds even worse. Yeah, I mean, fr from what you hear, I mean, the research shows typically if you have a dislocated hip, almost 90% of the time they happen due to a car crash. So usually you're you're wow. sitting in your car, you're you're sitting your your hips are flexed, your knees are flexed, and your knee kind of jams up onto the dashboard with kind of a front end collision there. And what happens is the head of your femur, your thigh bone, will just kind of shoot back in a posterior direction, dislocating the hip. Okay. So That's it typically requires that kind of force to do that, and it wasn't anything near that with with that second play with Pitta. My goodness. Yeah. Well, doc, Dr. Bob, I mean, we see uh, this season or this off season with Pitta, he, he's been practicing a little bit uh, during OTAs. I mean, is that something in your estimation that is a good sign to see him kind of out there running and jumping a little bit? And, and obviously he's not in the, the contact drills uh, during OTAs because they're, they're not allowed to, to hit contact with each other. But, uh, you know, seeing him kind of work off on the side and jumping around and running and, and running routes – is that a positive sign in your estimation, or is it to be kind of expected for a guy, uh, you know, that's that's about a year out from his uh, his second injury, uh, but he's probably never going to see contact again? I mean, I would say it's, it's pretty expected at this point with this time frame right here. Um, the, the runnings, kind of routes, a little bit of cutting and that kind of stuff, he should have no issues with that kind of stuff. Um, when he has you know, external forces he has to respond to, whether it be a player that's getting tackling him or him having to cut around someone, that's when, if there is instability still in that hip, that's when there becomes a problem. Um, the the okay. hips are part of your core. And if you have any type of instability in your core, there is, you know, research article after research article that shows weakness in the core puts you at a much higher risk of injuring not only just injuring yourself, but injuring areas further away from your body, so your extremities, your shoulders, your knees, your ankles. The core Jeez. kind of controls everything. Yeah. So if you don't have control over that, you really have control over nothing at all. 
That was, okay. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that, that definitely does not sound good. I mean, it sounds like, uh, obviously, Pitt is salary cap for this year. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense for the Ravens to cut him uh, just monetarily. But, yeah, it does not sound like it's all that good. And, and maybe they're they're having that wait-and-see type of approach simply uh, to, to hope that yeah. he's able to come back. But if he can't, then, I mean, do, w- let me ask you this, Dr. Bob. If, if you're Ozzie Newsome next season, it's 2016, do you cut Dennis Pitta? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm not Ozzie Newsome. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's hard. I mean, honestly, Dennis Pitt has been, been a huge part in the Super Bowl run a few years ago, and, you know, he's, he's a classic guy, and it's, it's really unfortunate that something like this would happen to him. Um, you know, there's always that chance he could come back. I think more than anything, if Pitta finds, you know, he's not 100% and he has this risk of dislocating his hip again and this becoming a, a real problem, I think he would walk away before it would, anything would come to play. To something I hope like so. That. Hope so. If, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's always tough. And uh, you know, having having had injuries myself, um, you know, it, it's not just the physical aspect of things; it's the mental aspect as well. If you're if you're feeling like that hip or or knee or foot or, or whatever injury uh, you, you had, if you feel like that's going to give out on you when you go to go make that cut or when you get ready to take that hit. You, you kind of wince a little bit. You, you tend to try to protect yourself a little bit more, which can kind of do even more harm uh, w- when the eventual hit ends up happening. So uh, I know that that's a difficult thing for anyone to get past, especially two hip injuries like that, yeah. um, both of them career-threatening. E- even if Pitta is able to come back physically, mentally, that's, that's a whole different ballpark. Oh, there's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Okay, I have, a, I have one more question. Um, I'm reading right here. You uh, you have the talk of uh, Bo Jackson and the uh, the vascular necrosis. And mm-hmm. say Pitta, say Pitta were to suit up a third time. Say he got cleared and he got injured a third time on this hip. Could could a vascular necrosis be something that could happen in the near future with that? So any time the hip is dislocated, you, okay. you run the risk of blood supply to that hip being compromised. Wow. Uh, the, the thigh bone has, it, it's a ball, the, the hip is a ball and socket joint. So mm-hmm. the thigh bone has a ball that comes up and it inserts into the hip area. All right. Mm-hmm. The head of that femur, your thigh bone, is where all the blood supply is for the hip. Oh, wow. So when that becomes dislocated, you know, for a time there, the blood supply is compromised. Um, there's a really a short period of time in which they need to relocate the hip to avoid permanently compromising that supply. Um, I think the studies have shown that anywhere past six hours, you really increase your risk of developing a vascular necrosis. That is so, so That is nuts. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we saw that with Bo Jackson, and, and basically once that happens, there's nothing you, you can do. Um, once the blood's not there, bone needs blood to survive. Without the blood, bone dies, bone weakens, bone will crumble, and then you need a hip replacement, just like Bo Jackson got. Um, that's and, that's and, terrifying. Yeah. Um, but from what we were told after the first one, the blood supply was fine. Um, same thing after this one. We heard that there was no compromise there. So, I mean, 
obviously, if we were to dislocate again, I don't even think we would have the conversation of him trying to come back uh, fourth yeah. time. Oh, I, I would hope not, man. I really would hope not. Yeah, it uh, you know it's a sad thing. Obviously, we talked a little bit about uh, you know how much Dennis Pitta has meant to this team uh, over the years and, and how crucial he was to the Super Bowl run. You know, he's he's a lot like Todd Heap in my estimation, a guy that. You know, the fans absolutely love because he's quiet, he's relaxed, he does what he needs to do, and he, and he gives it his all. Uh, and we're kind of seeing that with this second uh, hip injury. He's still trying to give it his all, and he's trying to make sure that he doesn't let down the uh, team. But at the same time, I think most fans would look at him and go, just just call it quits, man. It's You've had a good career so far. Take the money that you've had and try to be there for your family for the rest of your life versus going back out there and possibly injuring yourself again, um, you know, it, it, that's that's a tough thing for, for any fan or any player to really do. Uh, so, you know, be, best of luck to Dennis Pitta and certainly to Jimmy Smith as well on their injuries. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, this is Dr. Bobby Esbrandt. Uh, he's a doctor of physical therapy and a performance enhance, enhancement specialist. Uh, and thank you very much for, for joining us today yes, and talking a little bit about those injuries. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And I just want to be a quick reminder that that's Dr. Bobby Esbrandt. He's a doctor of physical therapy, so uh, sadly for the Ravens and all of us fans, he knows his stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's sad to hear that about Pitta, but, uh, you know, it's it's a positive thing once you kind of think a little bit about uh, that he's out there still running, he's out there still doing his thing, uh, and that Dr. Bobby uh, did not completely rule out Pitta being able to return this season. So uh, hopefully for everyone out there, uh, we see Dennis Pitta suited up sometime this season and, and giving it his all again and staying healthy. Uh, or at the very least, he's able to kind of ride off into that sunset and be able to play with his kids and his and his wife and his family. Absolutely. So. All right. Unfortunately, after that terribly sad note, uh, information, we do have something really quick for you. Uh, you know, Kyle, do you know any uh, any way that uh, people can get to and from the games? Uh, I actually, I, I know one thing. I actually, I know about this uh, thing called Rally Bus, actually. Oh, r- rally bus. I- is that something that you can get shit-faced before the game and after the game? It actually is, yes. You can drink. They give you a ride to the game. You can party at the game. You can tailgate. And then after the game's over, you can drink on the way home and get shit-faced all the way through. Oh, man. Do they have a $10 off coupon by chance? You would not believe it. We actually have a $10 off for the rally bus. If you go to their website, you go to... And you type in Ravens Rally 10, you get $10 off your booking. It is R A V E N S R A L L Y 1 0. Ravens Rally 10. You ride happy, you ride smart, rally bus. It's kind of like the Magic School Bus, just with alcohol and football. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, some, it's a treat, that's for sure. It is wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> It really is. It's it's actually a really cool thing. In all seriousness, uh, what they're doing is is pretty awesome. That's wonderful news. All right, 
The Ravens are expected to win the division this season. I don't know exactly how that's playing out right now. We obviously haven't even hit preseason. We just hit training camp yesterday, which is very exciting news for our football fans, as even on our website we are talking about Joe Flacco going up against the Republican nominees. It's It's been a pretty dark offseason, you know, it, which is good. And, and dark and not the aspects of us dealing with the law for once, which is also helpful. But I don't know if this is true. You know, I know we're expect we're expected to win a lot of games. We're very consistent. We go nine and seven, 10 and six, almost every season. The one year we haven't in the last few years, we actually went eight and eight and we missed out on the playoffs. And all of a sudden our whole world was shattering after we lost nine, was it nine starters? We lost a few after we won the Super Bowl. And I just, I don't know if we should already have our expectations set so high I do think we're going to do very, very well, but I don't know if we're going to win the division. We are in the AFC North where every single team is out to bludgeon the other with hard hits, a hard-nosed running game, smash-mouth football, and we also have lethal just players in, the, in our division from A.J. Green to Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, who I still deem the number one wide receiver in football. We can still argue about that. I'm always up for that argument. Uh, we... It's a very tough division to win. Do you feel that we sh- should be expected to win the division this year, Matthew? I, that's a tough one. I, I think the Ravens uh, are, are getting a ton of love, and I think it's well warranted. But let's not forget that the Ravens did finish third in the division last year uh, in, in 2014. Now, that was a close race uh, all the way down to the end. Uh, but at the same time, the Ravens aren't the team that's going to do, you know, 13 and, and three in the regular season. That's not the typical Ravens way. Uh, they are typically a 10 and six team, nine and seven. They squeak into the playoffs and then that's when things get a little dangerous. So I, I don't think they necessarily win the division. Uh, I hope they win the division. I hope we get, you know, the Ravens get a chance to have a bye week, uh, get a little bit refreshed and, and head into the playoffs, you know, kicking some butt, but uh, that's just not Ravens football, so I would not be uh, all that surprised to see them finish second in the division behind you know some team that they're going to destroy in the first round. Amen. Um, I just I don't know, man. I think we're going to do good, but when we have to deal with such a ridiculous amount of talent in our own division, the Browns have great players. I know we always joke about the Browns, but they have a very good defense. They're only getting better. They're a quarterback away seemingly every single season. And with that last uh, post I put up last week on our website about the fourth quarter comebacks and how the Browns, out of 16 times, they have given up 16 fourth quarter leads. Sooner or later, they're going to get it together, and they're not going to give those leads up. And when that starts happening, we're going to be worried because I know one of them was against us last year. And it's stressful to know that if they can finally fix their issues in the quarterback position or just have a great enough team to where they don't have to necessarily worry about that and just have a game-managing quarterback, I put that in quotations, they could could start winning more games, which means we're going to have to have a four-way fight for this division instead of a three-headed monster and then another beast in the mix. It's getting tough. The band... Angles are always consistent until they hit the playoffs or a primetime matchup. Uh, the Steelers are always going to be good. It's just 
blatantly obvious, especially when they have such a phenomenal trio with Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. Their defense is what the weaker part of that team seemingly this year, and that's mind-blowing to hear the Steelers are going to have to outscore teams instead of hold them to a very little amount of points. I, I would like to say that we should expect to win the division, but I can't promise it. I'm confident we're going to do well, but I don't know if we're going to win the division necessarily. I will say that all the love for the team uh, is definitely well-warranted. I mean, the team did go deep into the playoffs last season, uh, and that's despite a, an awful secondary. And we kind of mentioned it earlier uh, in the show. The secondary is made up of practice squad members uh, or, or yep. an injured Lerdarius Webb. Uh, this was not the best team in the league last year uh, from that standpoint. Nope. But yet they still went ahead and took it to the Patriots for, for a good portion of that game. And like I said, led it, uh, I believe, two times. Um, yep. You know, it, it's if the Ravens can stay healthy, and that's a huge knocking on wood, uh, and I'm doing it right now, if the Ravens can stay, absolutely, if the Ravens can stay healthy, uh, especially in the secondary and especially in the run game, uh, and in Flacco as well, that's a team that should be able to put up a bunch of wins, even in the in in, in the AFC North, which is a tough division like we're, we're talking about. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I personally think that, again, and I'm going to knock on wood, I don't want to jinx it, this is the Ravens' year to go ahead and get a second Lombardi uh, for, for third, Joe Flacco, okay, a third okay. Lombardi total all. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you know, definitely don't want to jinx it, like I said, but uh, I, I, everything I'm seeing from this team, from the OTAs so far, they look nasty. I would not want to be a defensive coordinator trying to team up against that, and I certainly wouldn't want to be an offensive coordinator trying to figure out how to get uh, through that defensive line, through that front seven, and then on the back uh, trying to go ahead and get through uh, Jimmy Smith, who should be healthy, as we just heard mm-hmm. from uh, from Dr. Bob, and from uh, mm-hmm. a hopefully healthy and ready-to-go Lardarius Webb. Uh, it should be a nasty, nasty team uh, with a lot of stuff. So, One more thing to add. People don't know this, but when we were picking up practice squad players, we got our first set of practice squad players. We're picking from the lowest of the low already, okay? And then when we cut two of those guys after we got completely dumped on by Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers for six touchdowns, we cut practice squad players, and then we tried to sign more. Five teams signed their practice squad players. The Vikings, the Lions, the I believe the Packers as well, and then two other squads that I cannot remember. I think the Texans were one. They all signed all of their practice squad cornerbacks, so we couldn't pick them. So we're picking the lowest of the lows. Five teams take all of their corners from their practice squad, sign them. So we don't even get the top five. Okay, so we signed the top two teams, you know. We then can't even sign the top five. So we're picking the ninth best of practice squad players for our professional football team. That's how bad our cornerback situation was. People don't know that. And I think that's something seriously impressive when we're talking about we went up against the Super Bowl winning Tom Brady and Patriot squad with ninth best practice squad cornerbacks, and the reason we didn't win was because of that. Now give me Jimmy Smith, and that game does not have the Ravens losing at all. Not a doubt in my mind. That's how bad we were. And if we got that far in the playoffs with practice squad cornerbacks, look for us to do some serious damage this year. I'm excited. 
I'm very, very just overwhelmed with what we can do this season. And moving on, after that total excitement by myself, I have some (laughs) heartbreaking news for some. Ravens ticket sales are up 4.4% from 2014. I got a quote here saying, Baltimore fans are aware that the average price for Ravens Steelers tickets are $268.32, with a get-in price of $107. That means to just find a way to get into the nosebleeds of the nosebleeds is $107. According to Forbes contributing writer Jesse Lawrence, that get-in price is, only the, is also the only time a Ravens game will exceed the $100 threshold on the secondary market. So for that one or two games, it's going to cross the $100 threshold. But besides that, it won't. I think a lot of them are very close at $97 and 98 but this is astronomical to go to a football game, and I'm wondering where it's going to end. With These sales are insane. I know I could watch my cable. If I went to two Ravens games, I could probably watch the season on cable instead. And I think that's saying something, that while we love going to these lavish stadiums and enjoying ourselves amongst our own you know, kin, our family of, of fans... I don't agree with how astronomical these prices are. It's getting worse, and it's only going to get even higher in sales. But we're not making 4.4%. I know I'm not every single year. So I'm wondering yeah. when this is going to slow down. I'm hoping soon. What do you think, Matt? I, I don't think it slows down at all. The Ravens, you know, just recently over the past few seasons, helped kind of revamp some of their stadium uh, and, and having gone to a game last year, I paid 100 bucks a ticket, uh, and that was in the upper, 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 upper. You're essentially sitting on the lights, uh, upper nosebleed section. And I, I'm, I am scared of heights. I'm not going to lie about it. <laughs> I did not watch that game from my seat. I watched it from the inside of the stadium because there was no way in hell I tried getting up to that seat, and it was just not happening. So uh, I certainly agree with you guys. The idea that tickets are $100 plus, you know, the average price of a Steelers-Ravens ticket's almost 300 Hells no. But at the same time, the Ravens are really doing a good thing in trying to revamp that stadium even more. And it was state-of-the-art when they built it, uh, but they're really doing a lot of stuff trying to go ahead and upgrade it even more. Uh, and that's stuff like upgrading the Jumbotron, upgrading some of the concourse areas. Uh, they're doing some really cool things there in order to make those games worth the hundred bucks plus. Uh, so I don't think it slows down anytime soon. I think the, uh, almost every team is going to try to one up the other when it comes to what they're doing inside the stadium, uh, to try to warrant that money. And then of course they're going to go ahead and raise ticket prices accordingly. Um, you know, it's, it's sad. It's sad, man. I wish I could go to more games, but, uh, you know, I, I ain't got that type of money. Um, cause you know, you can't just go by yourself. That's lame. No, no but, way. Uh, you know, so you got to go with a friend. Yeah. I, I'd take my wife. She's a big Ravens fan. Uh, and you're looking at if, again, even if I pick up nosebleed section seats, we're looking at a hundred bucks a ticket plus parking. Cause mm-hmm. that doesn't include the parking pass. So you're looking at 200 plus parking. You might be able to get away with 20 bucks to park somewhere. Quick note, if you're lucky, quick note, you could take Ravens rally 10. So you don't have to deal with parking, you know, that's true. You could take Ravens Rally 10, get a bunch of your friends, and probably save a boatload of money, but 
you know, so <laughs> either way, you're still looking at a few bucks for, for the ride down yep. there, but having a good time in rally bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you've still got to go ahead and get something to eat. Again, unless you're on rally bus, which you're able to take your tailgating stuff with you, so that's pretty cool. There you go. But uh, you still want to have a beer in the stadium. You still want to have a hot dog with all the relish, all the onions, yep. you know, all the condiments you could possibly pile onto that $8 hot dog. Uh, you know, by, by the time everything's all said and done, you're still looking at probably 300 bucks, and that's the cheapest you could possibly get out of there for. Uh, and that's sad. That's sad that uh, a single Sunday, three hours, four hours if you're lucky, uh, is looking at about three, four hundred bucks. So, oof. It's driving me nuts, man. It really is. Also, uh, so did you ever get up to your nosebleed seat? Did you ever sit up there? I got about three quarters of the way. All right, so mm-hmm. when you walk out into the very upper section, mm-hmm. I went ahead and walked up, and of course you got to get right by the railing. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I was I was just about peace out there, um, but then I started walking up because you know what I got a man up. I got to go ahead and do it. Right. Uh, I started walking on up. Got about three quarters of the way to the seat. I'm, I'm like three or four rows off, and just went nope. Proceeded to sit down and scoot my butt like an infant. Going down the stairs. Wow. And yeah, man, at that point, it did not happen. At that point, is it worth to buy a hundred dollar tickets if you're not even going to sit? At- no, no, it, it really wasn't because I watched it on the on the uh, TV inside the yeah, stadium. You just watch it on the jumbotron. That's what you do. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make sense to me to pay a hundred and seven dollars to just scoop up the fiftieth row of five hundred and seventy two section <laughs> and be unsatisfied you would rather stay home watch it from digital cameras and hd feed because when you're going to those games that's what you're watching it on anyways you're just watching on a bigger screen from farther away it makes no sense i completely disagree with it i will say this there is nothing quite like being at the stadium in seats that you can actually sit in uh if you're me stay being in that stadium when there's a game going on and as much as you know my parents have a big 70 inch tv i've got a uh uh, projector here, so I'm able to watch it, surround sound, the whole nine, HD. There is nothing quite as good as being in that stadium when someone, you know, returns a kick 108 yards for a touchdown. Oh, man. Or, or when that nasty hit happens, you get a chance to see it. Or, or in the Ravens-Steelers matchups, when you have a guy going ahead and throwing a punch, you get a chance to see it. You get a chance to see exactly what's going on. There's no camera cutting away from it. There's no announcer sitting there talking about it. And that's why we're on Rabble, and we will be going ahead and doing some of the games broadcasting them because I'm tired of those announcers. Mm. I'm tired of, of Dan Deerdorf not knowing how to pronounce Haloti Nada. <laughs> it, it's Haloti Nagata. It's, no, it's not. It's Nada. The G's silent, buddy. Um, you know, and, and just too many hits in the head when he was playing football, and, and and now he's not entirely sure what's going on. I'm excited to be able to go ahead and announce games from here, from Rabble, That's the plan. live to your ears. Yep, that is the plan, folks. I can't wait. I'm I'm very excited to be working with Rabble more and more. I really hope that we can work something out to where we're broadcasting this season and we're going to have a blast. I really hope you guys tune in. We love it so far. We're going to keep going on this podcast, though. Up next, Ger Samuels. He's from the SB Nation site for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He interviewed Al Saunders. Al Saunders is an offensive coordinator. He was a head coach at one time. He worked for phenomenal coaches throughout the NFL. 
Uh, one of them being Marty Schottenheimer. I know not everybody believes he is a phenomenal head coach as his Ravens, I mean, not Ravens, the Rams did at one point. But Al Saunders is an offensive coordinating guru, and we have him discussing John Harbaugh and his opinion. It's, it's quite nice, and I feel you guys just need to tune in, listen up. This is a great one right here. Friday night, you said you thought John Harbaugh was one of the best coaches in the league right now. I just was wondering if you could expand on yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I've worked for Don Coryell, I've worked for Dick Vermeil, I worked for Joe Gibbs, uh, I worked for Marty Schottenheimer uh, in the National Football League, uh, I worked for John McKay, and I worked for uh, Johnny Majors in college, and all of those would be considered as some of the finest coaches in the history of the game. I think John Harbaugh is one of those guys. Uh, I think he has. The football acume, his father was a coach, his brother, of course, Jim, his brother-in-law is a head basketball coach at Indiana. Um, he has a tremendous feel for players. Uh, he has a great way to motivate people. He's an intellectual you know, guy. He al allows for personalities to express themselves. I think he has every quality to be a Hall of Fame head football coach in the National Football League. I love my English brother from another mother. Uh, Ger Samuels got a chance to sit down with Al Saunders uh, and talk a little bit about Joe Flacco as well. You were obviously with the Ravens at the start of Joe Flacco's professional career. There's a lot of debate about is he elite, is he, is he not. Do you think that he's going to be remembered as one of the top guys playing in his day when it's all said and done? No question. I mean, Joe has, Joe, I mean, this young man, since his rookie year, has never been out of the playoffs. I don't know that any other quarterback in the history of the game has done that. And there's no reason to think that he won't continue to do that and continue to get better. He's a young player. He's learning. He's got all the talent in the world. I think uh, I would be surprised at the end of Joe Flacco's career if he was not one of the elite quarterbacks that ever played the game. Now, the British aren't invading. Our buddy Gurr, uh, he writes for SB Nation, the, the Bucks blog. Uh, he is British, clearly, uh, and I believe the event took a, took place over in the UK uh, where he got a chance to have that exclusive interview with Al Saunders. Uh, that is phenomenal praise on both those guys. I've been mean, talking about uh, how elite Flacco is, how elite Flacco is going to be, uh, and how he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league once it's all said and done, uh, and as well as talking about you know Harbaugh. And this is a guy with a resume that really – that, that praise speaks a lot about what uh, what the Ravens have in both their franchise quarterback and their head coach. Uh, and, and to add on to this, what Al Saunders is saying about John Harbaugh mainly kicks to me more than what he does say about Joe Flacco. Albeit they are both phenomenal words spoken about both of them. He's saying that John Harbaugh is going to slide into a gold jacket by the end of his life. He will be wearing a Hall of Fame jacket. That means that he's going to continually have great success. I'm assuming it means he's going to win one more Super Bowl. To be a head coach in the, in, in the Hall of Fame at this point, you've got to have some serious wins under your belt. He already has phenomenal playoff records. He has great regular season records. The worst I believe we've ever done is 8-8 eight eight with Harbaugh under, unless it was his uh, rookie year of coaching. But nonetheless, this is very important. And as a head coach already saying to John Harbaugh, hey, you're going to be a Hall of Fame coach one day. I have no doubt, no question about it. He's going to be Hall of Fame. That speaks volumes. I'm very, very excited to hear something from somebody so high-ranking about John Harbaugh being 
a Hall of Fame head coach by the end of his lifetime. Wonderful. I, I will say that you know Harbaugh does already have the stats to kind of warrant that type of discussion. I mean, this is a head coach that is one of the most winningest head coaches in football, uh, bar none. And we're not talking about just active coaches. We're talking about of all coaches. His winning percentage is just is great. Uh, I believe it's you know, point. It's it's nearly about two thirds. Uh, so just about like six five, six six point six six. Yep. It's in that ballpark. I mean, so two thirds of the games Harbaugh is going to win. And, and I've been, I'll throw this out there. I've been one that has bashed Harbaugh before for his terrible X's and O's. But the Ravens got a head coach, the right head coach that they needed from the Billick era, which was. Brian Billick was an X's and O's guy, but he could not get a team to rally around themselves. Uh, certainly his, his act worth in. You got a hard-nosed coach in, in John Harbaugh now. You got a guy who can rally the troops, and that has made all the difference. And he lets his guys go ahead and do what they need to do in order to bring home a trophy. And that's why the Ravens won that Super Bowl, was because of John Harbaugh being able to rally those troops around uh, uh, Ray Lewis's retirement and around Joe Flacco in the playoffs. Just amazing stuff. Can't wait. Now we're going to go into something. We're pretty much wrapped up with this show. I'm going to bring upon one thing. We do have a Patreon account. Go to www.patreon.com. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And on this website, we're ask, I'm not going to lie, we're going to be asking for some money. It's as low as a dollar a month for this. Our show will always be free. We're never going to start charging stuff to you guys that's messed up. We love doing this. I absolutely love doing this for a living. I wish I could make just a little bit more money, but quick note, I'm not making money on this Patreon. What we're trying to do is make enough money, and once we hit our goal, our first goal of $100 a month, we will be doing a giveaway, and we'll be doing monthly giveaways. The giveaways will only go towards people that actually give to the Patreon account, you can give as low as $1. It goes all the way up to about 1000 but we're not, we're not assuming that anybody's feeling that we are $1,000 a month kind of guys yet. I hope someday somebody wants us to be that good, <laughs> yeah, of course. But this is also to eventually upgrade our equipment. We could get better mics. I know that mine isn't all star-studded. Better equipment, better laptops, better computers, so on and so forth. We're trying to make this show as phenomenal as it can be. We are working very hard day in and day out, trying to make this show something more. And I'm asking that we can just scoop up a couple bucks from people that listen. I know right now we, on Rabble alone, we have 49 plays. That would put us up to our 50 if every single person gave $1. I understand that you don't always have a couple bucks to share. That's fine. But we do at, we're trying to ask just politely, real quick, just to get a couple bucks trying to give this giveaway. We want to do this. We want to have fun. We want to give back to the community that listens to us and actually cares about our show as well. Also, please do like, subscribe, share this. We love having other people surrounded and listening to our show. And if you don't like it, share it for other people. Maybe they'll find out. Maybe they'll like it. It'll be enjoyable. That's about all I have wrapped up, though. Thank you very much for listening to the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. The second episode, but the very first one on Rabble.tv. I would like to shout out Rabble.tv for getting in contact with us, making sure that we could work together as a team, and we seem to sound great. We have some people talking to us. It's 
been a wonderful time being here on Rabble. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much for having us, and uh, thank you guys very much for, for asking us some questions. Uh, really quick, I do actually want to uh, – somebody had asked a question on uh, – Oh, yeah, my bad. Uh, no worries, no worries. Uh, it was a little bit ago. Somebody was asking some questions in terms of how the uh, Ravens will end up doing in terms of their uh, wide receiver battle. Uh, the wide receiver battle is at this point so mixed up, and we're not going to really know anything until training camp fully starts. Uh, on the 29th is when everyone's actually supposed to be there, uh, and, and I'll be out there personally, so I'll get a chance to kind of see the initial start of that battle. Uh, but as of right now, I mean, it's obviously Steve Smith. Kamar Aiken has been killing it in OTAs and has been getting a lot of praise. Uh, and then after that, it's kind of up to just about everyone else. Um, it's kind of a jumble after those two guys. Uh, Brashad Perryman's certainly going to go ahead and play some element to it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, no one really knows at this point until pads get on and guys are able to either make catches, not make catches, make plays, not make plays. Uh, so we'll kind of see that at that point. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of know as, as training camp comes and in the next few episodes we'll start kind of discussing a little bit of that. Perfect. So, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Tune in next week. We're going to have another great show. We always try to provide great content. You guys have a wonderful evening. Boom, and we're done, baby. Dude, hell yeah.